0: I'm Donna Faruqi. I'm Gene Castle with sports. And I'm Tim Langhorn. Our top story for this morning. Catherine Martin, the 25-year-old daughter of Senator Ruth Martin, listed first as a missing person, is now believed to have been kidnapped by the serial killer known only as Buffalo Bill. Memphis police sources indicate that the missing girl's blouse has been identified, sliced up the back, in what has become a kind of grim, all too familiar calling card. Young Catherine Martin, as we've said, is the only daughter of U.S. Senator Ruth Martin, the Republican junior senator from Tennessee. And while her kidnapping is not at this point considered to be politically motivated, nevertheless, it has stirred the government to its highest levels. Reach for comment on the ski slopes of Stowe, Vermont. The president himself said to be, and I quote, intensely concerned. Just moments ago, Senator Martin takes this dramatic
1: personal plea.
2: I'm speaking now to the person who's holding my daughter. Catherine is very gentle and kind. Talk to her and you'll see. You have the power. You are in charge. I know you can feel love and compassion. You have a wonderful chance to show the whole world that you can be merciful as well as strong. That you're big enough to treat Catherine better than the world has treated you you have that power please my daughter is catherine boy that's smart release her unharmed jesus that's really smart she keeps repeating the name and i promise she sees catherine as a person and not just an object it's harder to tear her up please release my little girl
3: Welcome to another episode of Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Dylan. I'm Erica. I'm John. And I'm Becca.
4: And today we're talking about Silence of the Lambs. So enjoy. I just have to point this out. Every time Dylan does the intro when he tells says the name of the movie we're covering, he always looks at Sarah in the most adoring way. I love <laughs> <He> it. <smiles laughs> it. No, he really does. He, like, he tilts his he head smiles, and he says it like, and to then he, Sarah.
3: He like, points at the microphone. Yeah, and, like, finger guns. It, like, finger he finger guns, but he it, always like,
4: he always looks at Sierra, and it's like this really adoring look. It's really sweet. Do you want to know what it really is? It loathing? No. What it really is is like, for a brief second when I'm doing the
5: intro, I forget what movie we're covering, so it's kind of like a reassurance. Like, <laughs> like this is what this we're is doing, like, right? This is what
4: we're actually
5: covering, <laughs> right? Shake your head nah, head. Sierra, Sierra. Sierra, don't listen to any of that
0: shit. That look, what it really means is there's no one else in the entire world he'd rather be doing
5: this podcast with than you.
3: That's because we're we're pals. We you are are pals for episodes
4: that you're not on, I just look at like a blank area. And it's like, really awesome. <laughs> just at the wall, you're just just lying. Like
3: and then you hear me from the couch going, "Fuck you!"
4: Right. I'm getting a giant cardboard cut out for you for your birthday. Please That'd don't. Be here,
3: That'd be awesome. Just don't. I'll sign it.
4: Everybody's getting okay.
3: One.
5: So, Silence of the Lambs was released in 1991. It was directed by Jonathan Demme. I'm terrible with names. And it was written... The screenplay was by Ted Talley. Uh, it was based on a novel by Thomas Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book that Thomas Harris wrote was actually the second book in the series, uh, the first one being Red Dragon, which was adapted into film before this as Manhunter. but Which they, is actually
3: really good if you haven't seen it. Yeah,
5: they ended up remaking it again as Red Dragon to use Anthony Hopkins as... Hannibal Lecter, because he didn't play him in Manhunter. But, but they literally, had, uh, the
4: two movies, one... like, Manhunter and Red Dragon, are, like, they're identical. Like, they're, like, they, <laughs> when they remade that, they literally just, like, scene for scene fucking yeah. remade it. Well, they,
5: the same with this, too, like, I, this I guess is we'll dive like right fucking book. in, yeah, um, That's, I, I read. we gonna
3: do the plot outline?
5: Oh, yeah, it follows Clarice Starling, who's A trainee
3: as, in an F, in the FBI.
5: Yeah, she gets tasked with talking to Hannibal Lecter, who's a criminal, who's a cannibal, who's a doctor,
3: and they lie to her about the reasons so that he can't, he doesn't know why she's there.
5: Yeah. So Buffalo Bill is the killer of the movie, and he is
3: creepy as fuck,
5: killing and skinning women. That um, too. Guys fourteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That as well, but that's like the that's like the fourth thing that's wrong with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, she ends up getting the help of Hannibal Lecter and finding out who this guy is and.
3: Hannibal Lecter escapes and yeah. eats
5: some. He eats some people. Which is
0: the which is the prelude to uh, Hannibal. Yes.
5: yes, which
0: came about years later.
5: So, um, jumping in a little bit, um, and talking about the previous uh, work that Thomas Harris did, I had read Red Dragon, and I had seen Red Dragon, the one with Edward Norton, first, and I was like, no, actually, I might have seen him. Han- I probably saw Silence of the Lambs before Red Dragon, but, um.
3: That's the one you remember. Yeah.
5: So, Red Dragon and Manhunter, they pretty much have the same story because they do follow the book exactly, but like every other instance, the book was a lot better than the movie. Oh, yeah. There's a lot that they left out. And yeah. uh, the Silence of the Lambs book, I, I the last time I watched this movie I think was like middle school, mm-hmm. and um, I read the book probably like four or five years ago. And I remember a lot of what was going to happen in the movie from what I remembered from the book. It
3: was very similar. Um, so, there was like dialogue that was different, but like the it was very close. Was really um, cool.
4: I've I've read the book, and it's very it's very close to the movie. And I think I that like that's the what makes it enjoyable. A little
3: more awkward. It like, makes me feel. Like <laughs> it, it
4: is. I think they changed it a lot because. I, I guess when anybody thinks of Hannibal Lecter, you, like, when you think of Anthony Hopkins, you instantly think of Hannibal Lecter. Like, I feel like that was really the role that kind of, like, defined him. Well, mm-hmm. nowadays, but,
3: I feel like when we think about Hannibal Lecter, we think about Mad Mikkelsen.
4: Yeah, well, that was yeah. the
3: thing.
5: I, I, when I had read Red Dragon, it was, um, I had read it when the Hannibal TV show had, like, gotten really, it, it had first come out, and me and Sierra got really into it. That's so that's, a why, that's why I had read red dragon and i was like i wasn't picturing even though i had seen the movie i wasn't picturing the movie i was picturing it with like the, the will Graham. Graham from the show the uh right. animal vector. so sure. it was interesting to see it in that way but
3: i'm gonna say um i don't want to get too much into the show but i do want to say that i think that the movie adaptations and the show are both good in their own rights I don't think either is better than the other. Yeah. I think that they're very different adaptations of the books, but I think it's really cool to see such different versions of it. But they are both, still equally yeah, well done. Yeah, they're both really well done, so I think that's really cool to see, because usually well, when you one see... One is shit and one's Yeah, <laughs> like one, you're like, oh, that's perfect, and the other one's like, oh, that's bad, but they're both really fucking high quality, really good. So. Well, I
0: had, uh, there's a, my buddy at work with, my buddy Craig, He he's a really big Hannibal Lecter fan, and so... Uh, good taste. I'd mentioned, <clears throat> what's that?
3: I said, that's good taste.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so I'd mentioned at work this week that we are covering Silence and Lambs, and so we just started talking, and and he was mentioning uh, the guy that plays Hannibal on the TV show. And uh, I'm a dyed in the wool Anthony Hopkins Hannibal Lecter fan. That's just my yeah. preference mm-hmm. on the matter. Now, not that any, the only one that I feel like was a bit uh, off the mark was Brian Cox and Manhunter, but. Yeah. Um, but. That that all being said, uh, Craig was like, oh, "I like the guy from the TV show. It's really, really good." That'd be the only guy that I would consider as even uh, as even you know being better than Anthony Hopkins. And I was like, I was like, what is this I was blasphemy? like, I was like, Craig, I was like, Craig, you better be ready for a backlash if if you're going to start throwing around words like that. I was like, <laughs> because, because I was like. Hannibal, uh, like, Hannibal Lecter is just one of the cornerstones of the horror genre. It's yeah. like, you know, like in order you understand Hannibal Lecter. He's
3: now, very
0: iconic. Right, and what Craig was saying, is, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not looking past it just from the iconic standpoint of saying, like, it's so iconic to you, because I like change, I like seeing mm-hmm. other people's visions on stuff, but the guy in the TV show, Craig, was like, he's very maniacal and very evil, and I was like, agreed, and it's very, very well done. No argument there, mm-hmm. I think, but what's really cool about Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter you look at the guy in the TV show, and in a room full of people, people be like, "Oh, there's a serial killer in here." You're gonna point at the guy from the TV show
4: and be like, "That guy, that's him." Yeah, that's he's creepy.
3: Yeah, Anthony Hopkins yep. kind of looks like somebody's
4: dad. Up, yeah, like somebody's <laughs> dad or like their perfect, grandfather. Very yeah, perfect manners. just
1: yeah, reminds you of like. A really nice professor yep, who's there exactly,
0: to just talk with you Exactly, exactly, 100%. And so it's like, out of a room full of people, if, if Anthony Hopkins is in the room, it's like, oh, one of the people in here is a serial killer, you might just pass right the fuck over <laughs> him.
4: Well, it's the thing that I think so, I enjoyed the most about this movie is that his, first off, his acting in this movie is phenomenal. The way he delivers
3: his lines, are, Our, it's just, it, it, he's so, he is so fucking intelligent. Like, I would watch this, and I'm like, yeah, he's a fucking therapist for sure. This guy yeah, but that's, a what, lot of that's the tech. thing. That
4: made made Hannibal Lecter so like so interesting. Evil though yeah. is that he he had that brain power, and it just like you know when you think of people like that are, are very good at uh, manipulation and are very good at like that whole mind control sort of thing. Like instantly you jump to people like Manson, for example, uh, cult leaders and stuff like that. And the thing that makes them so terrifying is that they're just very skilled with their words. They're very articulate and they're smooth. And the thing
3: that gets Hannibal Lecter, too, is that he is a therapist. Exactly. So he knows Mm -hmm. how
4: your mind works. And not, you know, so he can get in there. And it's like, it's just, it's amazing to think that the mind can be as dangerous as it is. Well, you get that, Uh, too. Not not only that, like... You can go, back (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: I was just going to say, he went into a profession where he was there to help people
4: and, oh no. use his advantage,
0: yeah. Well, and the other really cool thing, too, about casting Hopkins as Lecter is the fact that Anthony Hopkins is renowned for his ability, his, his incredible memory. Mm-hmm. So when he rattles off these scenes, a lot of times he doesn't do it in several takes. He does it all in one take, like a traditional stage actor.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so smooth.
0: So he's got all these lines memorized, and he likes to do these scenes in like long continuous takes. And so, rather than doing like, okay, we're going to do this little back and forth cut, we're going to do this little back and forth cut, and then splice it all together. He likes to do the whole scene with his with his Dude, with his coworkers. Must love him. <laughs> exactly and They're so like, he gets, Yes, and I so want to like,
3: work with him
0: so like the only difficulty that people will talk about working with Anthony Hopkins is he gets really frustrated when other people basically don't know their lines you know
3: I could imagine and so that and I don't blame him there do your job
0: Well yeah and, and he's traditional in that way he doesn't want to do it and he doesn't want it in one scene he doesn't want to do it in seven slices he wants to do it all as one continuous take. And then
4: one whole story. as
0: one whole scene, so that that's just he's very traditional in that
4: I way, feel like actually, it's more organic and like like it's very I natural. I think that's why
3: he's so like believable. That. He sounds natural doing it.
5: Well, the the casting of Lecter had come um, when he first had heard about the role. He thought that it was going to be a children's movie because of the name. He wasn't familiar with the book or anything, and, um, and speaking
0: kinda, of the speaking of the ca- casting, have you guys heard of the other people that were up for Hannibal Lecter? now like uh, okay, so the, I'm I'm sorry to just railroad it, but just like real quick, and the oh, there's only one other name in here that I could see actually pulling off Hannibal Lecter, but for the role of Hannibal Lecter, uh, Dem or Demi, yeah, you'd originally approached Sean Connery. <laughs> was, was, was the, and Connery had to turn it down. Jeez, like like nothing else, nothing else kept Connery from being Hannibal Lecter other than Connery's like, no, I don't want to be. <laughs> yeah. Clarice yeah Clarice. Hello Clarish. animal It's so um. Hello, Clarish. I'd pay money to see that were, as a skit. the actors considered were Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, like,
3: Al Pacino, Robert I'm just picturing Robert <laughs> De Niro doing the Robert De Niro face.
0: <laughs> then the whole time it's like, are you here to see me? <laughs> yes, People you are. In the <laughs> You here to see me? Yes you are. You but, are uh, here to see me. Yeah, Dustin exactly. Hoff, Dustin Hoffman, Derek Jacoby, and Daniel Day-Lewis. I think Day-Lewis would have. Daniel
4: right. Day-Lewis would have been
5: fucking
3: amazing. It, He's amazing.
5: Um Anthony Hopkins got the role though based on his role as the doctor in The Elephant Man. Um, yep. Yep. he when he like read the script and everything, he had approached the director of the movie and was like you know, how, why does this have to do that? I played, like, a, a good person in The Elephant Man. And the director's like, well, Lecter's a good person, too. He just... Eats is. people. Yeah. <laughs> he
3: just eats people. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's trying to help, but he eats people.
5: But, um, no, as far as, like, the whole psychology thing goes, I mean, you get it in the movie, too. Um, in the beginning of the movie with Jack Crawford, when he tells Clarice, like, don't tell him anything at all about your personal life. It's because, like, you knew that Jack knew, you know, he's gonna try and manipula-
4: manipulate. Manipulate, yeah. yeah. I think
3: the coolest part about this movie, and I don't know how anybody else feels about this, is um, Clarice, her character develops, like changes so much from the beginning of the movie to the end. Like mm-hmm. when she first goes in to meet Hannibal, she instantly is very emotional by the things he says to her. She's very like caught off guard, and it it affects her, and it's clear as day on her face. And I think well, as, the movie, what's funny about that as is... the movie continues, though, she gets stronger and able yeah. like she's get she's grows a thick skin, you know. Throughout the movie and you can see that she's able to take what what people are saying or like what they're doing in a more light way. Like she's not getting so worked up by people and what they do.
5: Well, what's funny about that is uh she she went in to do the lines and some of the lines that Anthony Hopkins had did at that part were improvised by him. And um Like, there's a part where he makes fun of her accent, Mm -hmm. and he did that, like, on the spot, making Mm -hmm. fun of her accent, and she was actually, like, upset about it. So the look on her face where she looks like, upset and, like, just, what the fuck? There's actual, like, genuine, like, she was actually upset by the things that he was saying, so.
0: Right, yep. Well, it can be, um,
5: one of the other things I love about
0: Clarice's character in this movie is, is, um... She seems to be the only one that's actually dedicated <clears throat> to justice and law and order for the greater good. Well, everybody yeah, exactly.
3: Else they they manipulated her. Gonna,
0: yeah, and it's like everybody else is consumed with it for whoever's going to take the fucking credit, which mm-hmm. is which is a very real thing, especially with law enforcement and the FBI to a larger degree. Now, I um. Had gone to grad school for forensic psychology. My bachelor's is in sociology and psychology, and so the character of Jack Crawford. now I suppose if Dylan was going to talk about this, I don't, I don't want to take, like uh, take this away. Maybe were you going to talk about the Jack Crawford character, Dylan?
5: Yeah, you can go, for it. You're
0: good. Okay, okay. Well, the Jack Crawford character was based on the behavioral sciences unit and the guy that leads it by the name of John Douglas. Now, he is. Um, self-proclaimed as the modern father of of professional psychological profiling and um, criminal behavioral sciences and and all that kind of stuff. And now all you got to do is just ask him. He'll tell you how great he is. (laughs) And so uh, he wrote his his book, Mindhunter, and that was required reading when I took uh, my psychological profiling class and criminal behavior class when I was in grad school. And he's going to just release yeah. that
4: show on Netflix about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and now the biggest, the biggest criticism that John Douglas has from a lot of other people within law enforcement is exactly what I was talking about, like with Clarice, is that people wonder how dedicated he is to the actual greater good and how dedicated he is to seeming like a rock star. Yeah. yeah. And so Jack Crawford in the movie which is the movie counterpart to John Douglas has a lot of that same kind of thing come off. So when he sends Clarice in without an agenda, he sends her in there. Cause like, it's all about his, uh, his serial killer study to greater understand serial killers, which is a real thing that actually happened. Yeah. So, so some of this is based on, on some fact. Now, Hannibal is obviously fictitious and made up, but, but the, um, a lot of the the study was real. And the fact that like Crawford would send her in there without an agenda, because the more important thing is getting Lecter to cooperate Mm -hmm. because it makes Douglas look better. Now in Douglas's book, Mindhunter, this has to be stated. Okay. Because the underlying, you know, I, I won't get too far off topic here because this is about the silence of the lambs and without getting into a gigantic other topic about psychological criminal profiling, this does need to be stated though, because in the mind's eye of the general public, everybody likes talking about serial killers and finds them fascinating to some degree, I think because it's the only modern counterpoint we have to actual monsters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so it's the closest thing we have to demons and ghoulies and, and everything else in a modern day world. Now that all said, we look at psychological profiling as this sort of science, you know, cause it's part of the behavioral sciences division in the FBI and everything else. But one of the things you never hear about is how much this is a guess at best a lot of these psychological profiles and a lot of these names and sciences John Douglas writes an entire 500 page book and I've actually pulled it out here for the podcast I've got it in front of me because I had to buy it for my grad school class I've got three different books on my psychological profiles who worked with the FBI because I had to read these three different books for that specific class because they do three different things John Douglas's book focuses for like 500 pages on all the things he got right. He doesn't one time tell you how many how many thousands of times he was wrong mm-hmm. in accordance with the, with the couple of times he was really right. So he doesn't tell you when he failed. He doesn't bother telling you how wrong he was or even useless in some of the cases because what he gave had nothing to do with what actually came out. Capturing and apprehending serial killers has everything to do with the heroes doing the groundwork on the streets and making the connections and interrogating. So what Clarice is actually doing in the movie mm-hmm. it, it, is is really really cool because that's how it's actually done. You know, they, like that's what catches people and what stops monsters. And so one of the biggest differences I think between John Douglas and the other one I pulled out here was a guy by the name of Robert Ressler. Was it was said? Uh, his book is called Whoever Fights Monsters. Now John Douglas's book. Goes, it, it's definitely interesting and it's definitely a really really cool read and it's definitely informative, you know. But at the core of it, he somewhere throughout the book, he includes this like half chapter that he had written as this potential serial killer to basically prove how well he understood serial killers.
5: OJ did
1: that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so,
0: like, so it's like I do that when I write horror novels. Yeah.
1: You know what I
0: mean? And I'm doing it because I love horror. I'm not doing it because I because I'm a cop or anything, you know. Yeah. And so when he includes this whole chapter talking about these demented thoughts of this serial killer about and like and and these and and then he starts this like torture scene where he abducts this girl and starts and I was like, wait a minute, this is supposed to be this is like this was bought as like a textbook, you know? Yeah. I was like, what the fuck are you getting in here to, man? I don't want to hear about how great you think you are, you know? Yeah. And so uh that's in. John Douglas's book, Mindhunter, Robert Wrestler, who is the one that I actually prefer to learn from, who includes all of his failures as well as successes, and he's very honest about how this is basically modern fortune telling, you know. (laughs) Like like behavioral sciences and psychological profiling. Now, the only and as an aside too, the only serial criminals people ever want to hear about are serial killers. There's plenty of other serial criminals who share a lot of these same fucked up tendencies. There's serial arsonists, serial rapists, there's serial kidnappers. There's, you know, so there's a lot of messed up other monsters other than just serial killers. And Rob Russell is very blunt about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: about the fact that there's a lot of different bad people, you know, that we could also be talking about other than just serial killers. But, but so Robert Russell, by comparison, where John Douglas had, had put in this fictitious thing that he had written about how much, you know, he understands, uh serial killers and stuff. Robert Ressler opens his book with this following quote from Frederick Nietzsche, which I'm sure you've uh <clears throat> you've heard before from Thus Spake Zarathustra. Whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. And when you look into the abyss, the abyss also looks into you. So Robert Ressler seems to me to be much more open and honest about this, about like this is a very slippery slope. You know, and um, as part of the forensic psychology program, like I had the very rare opportunity to look at quite a few crime scene photos and very demented things that these people were doing, which is important to keep in mind when you want to talk about this in the actual landscape. Now, the reason why this is important to the sounds of the lambs is because sounds of the lambs by and large is very factual. Yeah, about 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 these criminal profiles and how messed up a lot of these people are, which is ma- which is what makes it very very cool, you know. But at the same time, um, they they pass off this behavioral profiling as it's like a surefire thing that like these people can basically give you everything but their phone number, you know. Mm. And it's like, well, that's just the one or two times they got it right, man. <laughs> like, that's
2: not, you know, there's that's
0: so many other times that people were. Totally fucking wrong. And when you dive into this so deeply and you're looking at crime scene photos, and I remember one of the biggest moments in my life was when I watched a video of an actual murder where I watched it someone actually die. And if, like, and when I talked about this and what I'd learned, and I kept all my textbooks and stuff too. So when I'd go through a lot of this different stuff, I definitely have no issue talking about it. I like talking about it. It is interesting to a very large degree, but there's so many people that talk about it and haven't actually, like, seen it. So, like, when people will talk about crime scene photos and all this different stuff, it's like, oh, it just doesn't bother me. It's like, if <laughs> crime, photos, if, 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 if crime scene you. photos and, and like in legit actual violence doesn't bother you to any degree, studying serial killers is probably the last thing you should be doing. Yeah. Because,
2: you're because, you're opening
0: up it, a can of worms. <laughs> it, exactly. It becomes non, it becomes non-empirical research and it becomes more, more dangerously. Like hobby, with it. it's
4: like hobby research, and you're putting yourself in a position where you want serial killers. That's how you get serial killers, <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, I mean, and there's that quote from Scream that
0: I love. It's like, don't you blame the movies? Movies don't make psychos. Movies make psychos more creative, exactly. and that's true. <laughs> Kill them so true. Of that. <laughs> okay, woozy. <laughs> right, I'm <a> woozy. <laughs> But my point is, is that it's like no one should feel bad about finding serial killers interesting, especially horror people shouldn't feel bad about finding serial killers interesting. Nobody should feel bad about fictionally creating serial killers for fun time in the horror stories and everything else. I'm just saying that when you want to start getting really factual, there needs to be a level of respect approached to a lot of these matters, you know, mm-hmm. and understand like and a basic, genuine, humanic empathy. Of being able to actually understand how much pain is induced with a lot of these photographs and stuff, mm-hmm. like the like the the photograph that convicted Ted Bundy. The, have you guys seen the bite mark? Yeah. Like yeah. Ted yeah. Bundy case. He bit her so fucking hard, like a goddamn animal. You know, mm-hmm. like while he was raping her, that he took a chunk out of her. And well, so it's was like, like I if was you just can reading, hear that.
4: I was just reading it's, today it's, about um Oh, fucking. The guy, the toy box killer in New Mexico.
0: Yeah.
4: Yep. He yep. literally, his he went on a killing spree from, like, the early 90s. They didn't catch him until almost 2000. His daughter tipped off the FBI, and they didn't believe her. And when they did research, there was nothing enough that they, like, no not enough evidence for them to even pursue anything to go after him. <laughs> they said that his, his body count is astronomical they don't they know of like 60 there's probably more he would pick these girls up at the bar drug them and then he had like basically like he called it the toy box and it was a it was uh like a shed kind of that was filled with all of these like horrible things that he would use to torture and rape these women and different like devices and like all kinds of shit and He. They said that he had spent somewhere upwards of, like, a $100,000 building it. And his friends knew he was doing this shit. He conned them into... Like, his one friend would come over and watch and brought his girlfriend, and they killed his girlfriend. His daughter eventually, like, was in on it. She ended up doing some time in prison. And it's just, like... These people, like, you know, you... They they were watching it, and they were seeing it, and it was, like, at some point in their head that lost its shock value, and they moved on over to that next level to and now start, like, joining it and, and aiding with it. Right. And it was, like, the man—like, Manson, we just—me uh, and Dylan have went down the worm—like, the rabbit hole this week with the Charles Manson documentary— and, um, <laughs> um, at least once a week, me and Dylan go down this fucking YouTube rabbit hole with some conspiracy bullshit or, like, serial killers or something. See, what happens
5: like... is, Sierra falls asleep, and I start searching YouTube, and I'll find something. Like, mm-hmm. I just found this really rare Ben Manson documentary- And I sent it to Erica and it's like 11 at night and she back
4: and is like, why did you do this? I was like, like, why did you forsaken me? And then like an hour later, I work nights. So I like text him. I'm like, bro, did you watch this? (laughs) He's like, no, I fell asleep. I got like 10 minutes into it. I was like, you son of a bitch. But it's like, you know, with, with Manson, like this documentary, it was all, you know, it's, it's a band documentary. And basically, you know, when you think of Manson, you think of, you think of him and that, that small group of girls. I mean, you know. You, you, Leslie Van Outen, and, um, there was, uh, I'm, I can't even think of them off the top of my head right now, but you just think of this small group and they were huge. There was like, they were like 60 deep Mm -hmm. and the documentary was just like, you know, these people would get so fucked up that they'd be like, oh yeah, well we watched them do it and it was, you know, no big deal. Like the one guy was like, yeah, one night, you know, they were, uh, they were up there and, um, one of the girls, um. There was a guy that they knew, and he, he was suicidal, and he was going to kill himself. And uh, so they went up there one night, and um, one of the girls was was banging this dude, and basically he was like, when you're ready to climax, let me know, and he blew his own fucking head off. Right. Yep. And she and was the, like, it was the greatest experience I've ever had in my life. And what the like, fuck? And other people yeah. are there just, like, watching it, and then you just, like, get up and leave. Like, drugs are fucking bad, okay? <laughs> like,
0: and, and, don't do it. And, and that's and, and and that and that and that's the and by a larger extent maybe even the important question to answer even as horror fans okay is that it's like why do we love demented things because I don't think anybody should feel bad for finding serial killers incredibly interesting that's not what I'm I, getting at what I'm what me- I'm saying though is, is that it's like there has to be this line drawn. Like I get this question from a lot of people because I've dealt with serial killers in depth quite a bit in, in some of the books that I've written and stuff. And so like when you're coming up with different demented things for these characters, everybody thinks that you're demented by comparison. One of my basic <laughs> answers is always I tell them, it's like, well, at the, at the core of it, yeah, at the core of it, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a crazy person. And so I understand how they think. The point is none of these people are real. Yeah. And I'm yeah. very aware of that at every step of am at every step of the, every step of the way. I'm very aware of that, but the story demands to be treated with respect because of what I'm showing you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, and I'm aware of what I'm showing you and I have respect for it. And I think that that's important in the horror genre to yeah. handle your violence with respect. And so like handling it with respect means that you have a basic sense of humanic empathy. And one of the things that it's like, I don't think that it's, anything wrong whatsoever with finding all these serial killers interesting i don't think that there's any issue with finding monsters interesting and being and 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 even adoring dark things i'm a very very dark person i understand it whatsoever we're all wired differently i get it but there, at no point can these people be glorified mm-hmm. you know like like it needs to be kept in the proper context and proper respect these people that have like favorite serial killer lists it's like, there's I, a difference can, between
3: finding an interest in it and being a fan. Yeah.
0: Being Right, being super yeah, interested in one thing or another.
4: Yeah, but once you cross that line, though, you, you're basically glorifying somebody who there's... There's no need to, you know what I mean? Like you and, can find an is... interest. Well, that's or... like
3: people did that when Charles and... Manson died. It was like rest in peace. We're gonna miss you. Like no, he fucking no. Yeah,
4: exactly. Like, that's horrible. What are you thinking? I think the thing that's so that that gets me about Manson though, and uh, and and this ties back in with the the whole Hannibal Lecter thing. Like with Manson, he never actually like killed anybody. It was always him manipulating others to do it. And it's mm-hmm. like it shows you how powerful. Th- spoken word is. And I think like, you know, when you think about the power of people Jim Jones, he convinced hundreds of fucking people to drink some fucking Kool-Aid by nothing more than his words. Like words are so powerful and, and they guns. really have you know, they have if you want to go into the conspiracy theories. Um you know, words are very powerful and I think mm-hmm. you know, I think that sometimes we kind of we kind of forget that. And, and, can that's, that and, know, and so that's... can and I that's... throw
1: out one more name
4: of someone who had very powerful
1: words to do very dastardly deeds? Yes.
0: Yeah, I'm
2: right. gonna throw,
1: out Hitler. Hitler, I Hitler. throw out Hitler.
4: Hitler, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitler, exactly. Well, There's because, a great one.
0: But a, but a basic understanding of human nature. Right. means you can read and assess people and understand what they need to hear. And it's basically just by Exa- large Well, extensions.
3: that's exactly You're being what a salesman. it
0: is. You're a salesman. You're selling them exactly what they want to hear.
3: And that's exactly how Jim Jones got the farm. people he wanted. He specifically he targeted it. people that were below poverty level. Exactly. People that didn't have anything left. The people he, that were, like, And left he said, I can had... give you a family. I can give you happiness. I can give you peace. I can give you a safe place. Everything they needed. Tell me all... that if somebody right. didn't come to you and say, "I have a house for you, a home in a town that you'll never have danger, you'll never be hurt, it'll be happy." No, because I'm not stupid. Guarantee... I know that's a cult. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing.
0: Yeah, that and keep... there's and there's a he to...
3: specifically manipulated people that needed to. Oh, hear Oh, that those needed face. him
4: exactly. That's what like I said to you. I said I comes. feel truthfully, and I, you can think I'm weird or whatever. I can guarantee to you, I could go out tomorrow and I could start a cult. Yeah. If you well, yeah, if you, you know And exactly I to think like that I could get I uh, you know I feel like you you guys want to play a game <laughs> no let's not <laughs> I mean play a game. let's start a cult like I mean it's just like it's one of those things and I mean it's it's sad that that humans are so they're always constantly looking. We're crossing for, over
3: to the true horror. Yeah, body. this <laughs> is
4: all back to a backdoor pilot for the. Yeah, I
3: But
0: Well, but 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 the, but to to bring it. Full circle, like the the whole, all of that is important because of how I'd originally started my little segue or the little rabbit trail here is the difference between those two textbooks that I had for my, for my profiling class. Okay. I feel like John Douglas, he's, he, okay, this, I'll state this plainly he never glorifies any of these people he's tracking mm-hmm. he's very exactly. he keeps a very healthy respect for how much of monsters these people are the it, the difference is like with that quote from frederick nietzsche from robert yeah. wrestler is that it's like the abyss also looks into you and i feel like the abyss looked very deeply into john douglas and i feel like he is doing these things for the wrong reasons. And I know how, how big of a statement that is, but I'm not the first one to make it. I can promise you that. And Robert Ressler, who's very much, very honest about these things and, and about the process and about how it, like I said, it's modern fortune telling at its best. And it has a very low accuracy rate, like ridiculously low. And so like the, the profiles they're actually correct on is I would say, Less than maybe five percent of the time. That's
2: crazy. And, and they hype it and, up and so, to be so much more.
0: <laughs> and, exactly, and that's and that's what I'm saying is like they hype it up to that it's so much more accurate. And if you look at these criminal profiles, very few of them are are all that specific. That's the thing with fortune telling is it's always very vague, or or your um or your horoscopes and stuff. They're always very vague. So you can be like, oh, that's me to a T. It's like all they said was like you're going to go outside today.
5: Yeah. <laughs> We're
0: all going to go outside
5: today. You know what I mean. <laughs> like, well, yeah, looking so, at um, looking at like so, true true crime inspirations for this movie in general. This too. movie
3: finds does loosely follow very true events. Yeah, and, uh, and I
5: feel like Jack Ed Crawford. In the movie. I feel like Jack Crawford in the movie is very,
0: very, a very, very accurate portrayal of John Douglas. Matter of fact, John Douglas was consulted for the character of Jack Crawford, and the actor that played Jack Crawford in the movie, uh, John Douglas, supplied him with an audio tape which I'm going to give props to John Douglas on this one, because this was a very, very good move to make the subject matter very real because it was one of those moves that it's like, if you're going to deal with this and try to make it as real as you possibly can, you have to know what you're dealing with. Ross talking about the proper respect for the subject matter. John Douglas supplied the actor with this audio tape of, um, and the names are escaping me now. I should have done my research with the Wikipedia and all that kind of stuff, but I can't remember that. Anyway, it was these two serial killers in Los Angeles that had, abducted a 16 year old girl and drove around Los Angeles torturing and raping her for like 20 hours or whatever. And they had done an odd, they'd made an audio recording of it, which of course the FBI had in, in their custody. John Douglas supplied this to the actor that played Jack Crawford and had him listen to it. And so like, cause like the actor had contacted John Douglas. He's like, okay, well how do I basically portray you? How do I do this? And John Douglas gave him this audio tape of this girl being tortured and raped for 20 hours. And the actor's like, why the fuck would you do this? This is sadistic. Why would you give me this? And John Douglas said, welcome. Now you're a part of my world. Hmm. And it's like, this is what he, these are the people we're dealing with, you know? And so in that context, everybody loves Hannibal Lecter, okay? Because Hannibal Lecter's not real, Mm
2: -hmm. okay?
0: That's the important thing to remember is that it's like, you're going to be a fan of Anthony Hopkins' work as Hannibal Lecter but the character Hannibal Lecter, who it was as a person and the things that he does are not to be glorified, you know? And so, like, it's the proper respect for it, keeping it behind the glass rather than inside it, you know? So so there is this slippery slope that I just, that I think is very, very poignant and relevant anytime we're dealing with very messed up actual people, you know? Yeah. That needs to be stated, so. Anyway.
5: Um, for sure. The, the other inspirations for the... Killer in this movie, um, you had Ed Gein who skinned his victims. You had Ted Bundy who lured people into his van by pretending his arm and was the broken. And the whole
3: storyline follows Ted Bundy helping them the catch Green the River Green River killer. River killer. Yeah, so that's where the whole storyline yep. comes from. Is that idea is a serial killer helping them by giving them tips on what to look for? Well, and for Bundy this was
0: person. Bundy was largely useless in that investigation, though. But but you're one hundred percent correct. He helped I'm yeah. sure. But he what he told them was largely useless. Was, and it changed yeah. every other fucking day and all and, and it was always to like delay his, his execution. execution yeah yeah and um, it, like, even up, even up to the hour before he died he was trying to like make deals with offering profiles and everything else and it always fucking changed and you know and anyway
5: um, Gary Hydenick was another one who kept girls in a pit in his basement
2: so mm-hmm.
5: there was yes. that but off the topic of true crime
4: the movie itself we talked okay. about characters. Um, I just want to say, my all-time... The one thing I've noticed that this movie has done for society, how many times I've had to see men tuck their genitals. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's
3: like... Dylan was waiting for that Hey, look
4: at this! I'm like, goddamn! The
3: whole time Dylan was waiting for that scene. He's like, where's the... Would you fuck me? I'd
4: fuck you. I'd fuck me. I just... Every time now... His voice is like... I, it's so cre- it's so creepy, it's but so I have to say that out of yeah. any movie I've ever watched, that is the one scene I've seen acted out more times James than I'd I like to off, admit. Yeah. Though, every I, time, like, that, I love it. Every time John I think I was the first talking scene about now.
1: how like he was he was ten when he first saw that scene that, and he's like that that scene just really confused me. I was like, Yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen it. Shut up, let me watch the movie.
0: Right. <laughs> well, and the whole time I was talking about like I was talking about Lecter's speech and stuff and talking about why it's so interesting, like why Lecter's actually a very, very cool character, the serial killer, in understanding serial killers, because Lecter's actually very different Mm -hmm. than a lot of serial killers, because the one thing that serial killers, or I prefer the term serial criminals, because a lot of these behavioral patterns tend to follow the same kind of thing. But Lecter, one of the things he sort of disobeys is one of the things that serial criminals are usually always... Slaves to is their own narcissism. Mm -hmm. And so they'll always obey it. Lecter. He doesn't obey it in the same way that a lot of other serial criminals do. He's not quite as self-indulgent. He's not quite as, you know, like to be self most, most serial criminals in an instant, if they had somebody that wanted to speak to them about like Dennis Rader would be a perfect example. Edmund Kemper would be another one. They sang like canaries when given the opportunity to talk about themselves in length, Ted Bundy as well, mm-hmm. Lecter was not interested Yeah, because taking the, taking the profile and, and the, um, the questionnaire and stuff, that's boring to him, you know? And so it's like, you can learn so much more about me is what he's saying. You can learn so much more about me by speaking with me. And I'm not going to take your stupid little questionnaire because it's, because it's lame, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so because so, I, I am
1: not
0: because he going doesn't. To be
1: boxed
0: him, in by those. He does right. He's like I'm not boxed in by this piece of paper, you know. And so, um, in in the really cool way, Lecter and Buffalo Bill, to an extent, everything with a lot of these serial killers is a lot of it's about transformation. That's always a really big thing. Red Dragon was that way too, because it's like yeah. what's more important is what I'm becoming, you know. Mm-hmm. And usually it's some it's a larger God complex, and it's what they call a, a delusional grandiose. Uh, schizotype.
5: Well, it's a big but, theme in the movie in general, not even just with the killers. I mean, they, they had the whole transformation thing with the caterpillars and the butterflies yeah. and everything with uh, oh, wow. James Gum. But yeah, that's for my obsession with the sa- has come <laughs> At the right. same time, though, I'll get you, a frame you had, um, like Sierra had said before, with Clarice. She Star- went through a transformation yep, yep. through the whole Absolutely. movie, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and
3: the girl in the pit, as well. Like She was yep. a, a very friendly willing to help very nice girl and by the end of it she's fucking breaking the leg dog. Yeah. and like he's in a lot of pain mister yeah
1: <laughs> like, she's she ready to kill a too. dog
3: and she's also cursing she's like don't you fucking leave me yep you know like she she like, which obviously like anybody in that situation would probably
5: yeah you know what I loved about
3: metamorphosis, what I loved
5: about this movie I, like I said, the first time I had watched it, and it was really the last time I watched it, it was um, in, like, middle school or, like, junior high school. It's funny, though, when you school. went
3: into it, you were like, I don't really like Well, that that's trailer, what I'm getting into. You know?
5: I watched it when I was in, like, probably, I'd say, like, eighth grade. Um, it's one of my favorite movies. And uh, I had told Sierra, I was like, I'm really not that big of a fan of it. Like, I really liked Red Dragon and stuff. But I'm like, I really don't like Silence of the Lambs. She's like, how do you not like Silence of the Lambs? But going into it now, I really fucking enjoyed it because it was like I was watching an actual murder investigation that's right. how you feel watching you do it. you could watch it and be like this is exactly how i'd picture this panning out and, and i think me, it's something that, that yeah i think it's something that i just didn't appreciate at the time, at the time to where i'm mm-hmm. looking back at I it now there's with the more so much, much
3: stuff that you catch with it being an adult and understanding more is that you catch all these underlying underlying themes and, and, and all this underlying information that as a kid Wanting to watch a horror movie, this isn't a standard horror movie. Yeah. That that you're going to enjoy a jump scare.
5: There is one complaint that I have with this movie. Of course you do. It's really... (laughs) (laughs) It's really, like, I don't know how to feel about it because it's a complaint, but at the same time, it was one of the best parts of the movie. And that was Hannibal Lecter's whole escape.
3: Oh. I thought it was fucking cool It was
0: cool. I want to hear this. I'm I'm very interested to in hear what you gotta say.
5: If it, it was cool. I I love the scene. And I'm i I'm saying it's well done. It was great. It was suspenseful. Like there's no nothing bad about that scene. But like I had said, the whole movie it feels like you're watching this murder investigation. And then you have this whole scene with Lecter, and it's kind of out of place. Like I feel like this would have been good as a separate thing, but you have this realistic thing like murdered
3: portrayal of a murder yeah. investigation, and then
5: you have this guy going you know i'm gonna put skin on my face and escape through the like it it wasn't as realistic I and it kind of it. it yeah it kind of took me out of it a little bit and on top of that at, i was so invested in the buffalo bill story and then you take like 20 minutes out of the movie to put Lecter escaping when the whole movie has been about catching buffalo bill
3: can we focus on buffalo bill a little bit because i feel like we're we're 45 minutes in and we haven't really discussed him too I, I, much. I, I, crank, I can,
5: as a real
0: quick final, not, not so, cause I feel like this is a very large, very cool topic of conversation. That's actually a very poignant observation, Dylan. And, and it, and it's a larger, it's a larger conversation, I think, than probably the runtime of the podcast <laughs> to really di- dissect that, that scene and why it's actually in the movie, you know, cause that's, it's a very good point. And as far as meshing the two, I feel like it's done pretty well. I don't I don't think it's uber abrupt. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can definitely I 100% see what Dylan is saying that it's like it is because it's this it's a separate story. Yeah, you know. And 100, percent I see what Dylan's saying. But the respect I do have for it is that it's like it doesn't seem jarring. I don't think.
3: But you know like, what? Though the thing is, too, at the Dylan... same
0: time, but at the same time, um. That's probably the only thing in the movie that makes it a, a real horror movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It,
0: it, and, and so I, f- I can definitely see what Dylan's saying where it's like the inspiration to include it is probably like just to make it a, a horror movie and to make it fiction. Because mm-hmm. up until that point, it's very real. Mm-hmm. And until that scene, when the guy's hanging there like, a, like an angel, you know, like gutted and eviscerated and stuff, and, and Hannibal is wearing the other guy's face, like, until then, it's it's very real and very documentary style. And then you get that scene, and it's like, oh, shit, we're watching a horror movie, you know? Yeah. And, and so it, 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 it is interesting that, that, that you bring that up. It's actually a very, very cool I was actually wondering if anybody would sort of key on that. that, it, that yeah, it's
5: I mean, I mean, like I said, it's it's not a bad scene by any means. It's very well done in every sense, but it's just as, a little weird.
4: It's out of place to me. This is my thing on that one. So I I agree with Dylan. I think that scene is very out of place.
3: I want to see if you're going the same. Way I I'm think going it's bit.
4: fantastic. It is an extremely well executed scene. It it flows. I mean, it's not it gives like you it's just like why it happened. yeah. Like, I mean, there's, there's build up. Reason there's reason there. there. There's that. build up. I don't feel like it was something where like you're watching it and then it looks like a subliminal message just like dropped in, like hey yeah. guy, what the fuck. But I really think that that was something that was set in there to set up for a sequel. It, That's you were doing the exact yeah.
5: same way. I was I was, yep. I was thinking the same thing, and I was thinking had it not been based on a book, because maybe that was Thomas Harris's intentions when making the book. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I if had this not been based on a book and they made this movie, that instantly I'd be like, this is just a way to sell a sequel.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but in terms, but of selling, think... in terms of selling a sequel, that's probably the best I've ever seen it done. Yeah. Like,
4: <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that, but like as far as like the book and like those those scenes and how how it's played out, like I think that the way it's written and then the way it's executed it was executed in the exact way we're saying it was executed. Yes. Like, even though we know that it's supposed to be there and it's not just, like, an abrupt visual thing that's thrown in there to sell the next yeah. movie, it was executed in that fashion. I, and it's not that it's a bad scene. And like I said, it it for what it is, it flows fabulously. It is flawless. It is great. It does just give you that feel that it's like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's just, like, a little off. It doesn't feel like it was... Like it was just slightly out of place it's like coming home and something that was on your counter in one place when you left and now it's over here you know what i mean it doesn't look no, right. off
0: too much, too of you're much like, right. but you're like
4: okay something's up yeah. um, and the,
0: and the best and the best additions to sort of cuz 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 it is an addition because it the in in terms of storytelling the the best sort of like little nuggets and and, and bits of little like easter egg happiness for fans is the stuff that's added that makes this that that makes the story more than what it originally was but it could be taken out and the story is still 100% solid. Mm. And so it's like you could have it's definitely cool that it's in there and I absolutely love that whole like the smoothness of Hannibal Lecter's whole escape and how it's 100% executed and stuff but you could have literally when she leaves the scene the final conversation she has with Lecter um, you could have where, he, when he like, so like, he's inside her head, 100% gets her to admit and tell him stories that she probably hasn't told very many people. And then at the very end, he rubs her finger as he's yeah. handing back the case file. So like, that's his way of basically like owning her and having sex with her, basically, you know? So it's like, he rubs her finger. And then as she's leaving that scene, you could have finished out the Buffalo Bill story without Hannibal Lecter and then literally just have her get the call in the end.
1: Yeah. Or like he You escaped. know,
0: now the scene being there, I don't think oh, does no, any detriment so to the movie.
1: Yeah. I don't
0: think it does any detriment to the movie. But that they're saying like, that's one of, that's one of the most beautiful additions in storytelling is when it's like, it could be taken out and the story is still 100% solid. The Buffalo Bill story. There's yeah, no breaking. It's breakages. okay that
5: it's there. It doesn't It's okay that, it's, yes. great. I, it's, that scene... cool. it's there. That scene. That scene being in the movie is not going to affect my score whatsoever, as far as like a rating. Well, but it's is, just that's how I felt. Was it was oh, absolutely, and if I think that that's s- one of
0: the best pieces of like execution that I've seen mm-hmm. in a long time. It's like they're adding that, but it's totally fine because like it would have been totally solid without it. But it's pretty. It's really cool that it's there. Ahead, if this
3: scene wasn't uh, there, uh, though, uh, there'd be important information missing.
0: What do you mean? Right. I mean, you. He left her in, hints could, to find
3: out it. who Buffalo Bill was in the case file. She had to be there. And that's right, all but I had mean, to him, es-
5: him he didn't have to escape. He gave her the case file. and Yeah, then he but then you
3: wouldn't have had the iconic angel, which they repeat <laughs> in Hannibal the show.
5: Well, and it's like and you could
0: but I mean you could have had him still give the call in the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then everybody'd be like, Oh, especially if you're setting up for a sequel.
4: Yeah. So
0: like so like he could have just escaped. And then she gets the, get the
4: like call in the, and the end. And, it it's and it's uh, and it's like I oh, feel like that would have been more escaped. cliche. Of yes. a setup for a sequel than what they did. And you then know I, what think, I, mean? I feel but like, I be like, oh, they absolutely. just added that
5: in at the end. Yeah. yeah. And then you'd be absolutely. shitting all over that scene. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like two people would be like, well, how the fuck did he escape using high prison, high security? High security yeah. yeah.
0: Like it gave but you, but that's like- why you go see the sequel, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, but what I'm saying though is like, I'm not trying to sell that ending over anything. But what I, what I am saying is if you would have done that, the whole story still would have been solid.
4: Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And,
0: um, and and so the fact that Lecter's scene is in there is a fantastic... I really, really dig execution over basically anything else in the horror genre. And so the fact that it's, it's a very slippery slope, there's a lot of ways that it could have gone poorly, a- adding Lecter's whole escape. And I feel like the whole way that it was all handled was about as well as it possibly could have. And the Oscars that it racked up are proof of that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so I just have huge respect... For the whole thing, like Dylan was saying, it was like it's a little, it's a little bit out of place. It doesn't hurt the movie at all, you know. But it's like, it's like, and to me, it's like that is so beautiful because it's worth a long discussion
2: mm-hmm.
0: about whether or not it should be there. But it doesn't do any detriment. So it's like nothing but happy things we can talk about. <laughs> yeah.
5: So um, one scene I want to talk about—it's um, probably my favorite. <laughs> Part of the movie, the whole ending scene is great with Buffalo Bill killing the lights and the whole night vision, and it really gives you this sense of fear, yeah, um, especially like seeing seeing through the killer's yeah. eyes. Oh yeah, for sure. But one of the best things that this movie does is the fake out as far as the houses, where you think that the police are about to raid Buffalo Bill's house, but it's actually and Clarice. You hear the knock, the door. yeah, you hear the knock on the door. He answers the door, and it's Clarice. That was the biggest fucking. Uh,
3: I just love when she figures out that it's him and she knows and he's not quite aware yet and then he figures it out and he goes for the gun and like, it's like, oh my god. It's such, it's fucking. It's anxiety ridden. Seriously, (laughs) the people that made this movie fucking killed it with making you feel anxious. Like that, if, and Erica says this all the time. If you can make her feel anxiety during a horror movie, movie, you've done you've done exactly what you've set out to do. And this movie does that and it's like, there's a huge debate with this film. Is it horror? Is it not horror? I 100% am going to lean towards horror, and I feel like I'm usually the one that's like, no, nah, it's, nah, not, it's horror. not horror. Yeah. But this, I'm gonna lean towards it, yeah, because it does make you feel how the characters would be feeling in mm-hmm. that moment. Do you know what I and thought that's was interesting, interesting?
4: And I don't know if maybe it's just me, but like, so the movie, you kind of have these two, these two people, like two two separate things going on. Obviously, you're the focus is is Buffalo Bill, but you're also going into this relationship that that Clarice is building um, with Lecter, and you kind of get this like this whole thing mapped out. And in my opinion, I think that to kind of show. They really built Lecter up to almost make you feel sympathetic towards him, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, like I loved that they did that because I really feel like you, you know, you're looking at a movie and you're watching two different killers, yeah, two different types of killers. You know, you, you, have, you have you have Lecter and you Bill. have yeah. Buffalo Bill, but I think I think by them, in a sense, like leaning, like, leaning you towards feeling sort of sympathetic towards Lecter, it really builds your hate for Bill, and it's, like, it's so weird to think of it in that way, but I thought it was just, like, it was a really interesting thing, like, going into it, because you you really do almost feel, like, he, the way that they, I don't even know if it's the way that they filmed it, or just, like, the, the character himself, but, like, he's personable. Like, mm-hmm. And that's such a fucking freaky thought. Is that like <laughs> he's a fucking therapist? You, exactly, but you could see yourself sitting down talking with him. Yeah, like, and like you look could how see easy
3: it was for for Clarice to get Marley, so caught up to go into in there him. and him ask her questions that it was so easy. Like she felt you just kind of like blurted it out exactly.
4: And he's just like he's so comfortable, and he's like just so personable, and it's where, just like
3: where if you ran into Buffalo Bill, on the side yeah, you'd logo, be
4: like, absolutely no, not, not, not today, you, Satan. Sir.
3: I will not load that that thing into your van. No, <laughs> you better you better call <laughs> yourself a fucking
4: I, a U-Haul. It's not happening.
3: I will say this
4: It's, like
1: I thought it was a brilliant way for him to actually catch his victims, and John's just like, oh yeah,
3: that's that's how a lot of these serial people do. I'm yeah. like.
5: Oh! yeah that's how Ted Bundy would do it yeah. the thing that's but, horrible
3: um, too is that you're, you guys are so nice in, in Minnesota <laughs> like you guys would be a shoo to get caught that
0: well but, that um, happened um, that is actually there's actually a list of demented shit that not a lot of people like to talk about in the isolated uh, northwestern corner of Minnesota where we actually <laughs> live about three miles from my house a couple years back
3: is it because um, you guys are so nice
0: uh, Kind of, basically like, and everything's See, really I'm a New girl I'm
3: like, fuck you, don't talk to me Right, <laughs> and
0: everything is really quiet And so, like, there was this girl uh, Rollerblading She was rollerblading on one of the highways Outside of town, right outside of Lancaster It's like 10 miles from my house And she was uh, Some guy had stopped Literally told her she was a long ways out of town Asked her if she wanted to ride home She hopped in uh, He had Tortured her, raped her, dumped her body in a gravel pit, and it sat there over the winter time. And then the body was found in the springtime. And then, Aww, uh that's and so sad. The Body was found in the springtime. And then they, had, through this investigation, they found out who it was. And as they were knocking on the door, it blew his brains out. And so, um, uh, that's just one of them. Like, there's a few different ones too. There's, there's a school shooting in Red Lake. It's like 60 some odd miles away from where we live. There's a school shooting on the Indian Reservation over there a while back. And so, like, a lot of this doesn't make national news because we're so far out of the way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, one of my co workers was actually murdered like a year ago or so in Thieves. Oh, my thief- God. Thief
1: yeah. And so, uh,
0: uh, we're like, yeah, And it was someone like everybody saw him on Friday. He was an older guy. So I'm on Friday. A guy was murdered over the weekend. Nobody knew where he was for a week, and then they found his body. so Like the, the it happens probably more than it should, mm-hmm. you know, up here. Um, and so anyway,
5: another yeah. thing with the uh, ending scene of this movie that I noticed um I'd watch it. I'd watched a thing a while back on Evil Dead, like making. The making of evil dead and one of the things that sam Raimi had done when they were making it was uh i don't remember if it was specifically the first one or the second one but as things start going downhill he starts using these weird camera angles where the camera would be like tilted sideways mm-hmm. and they're supposed to give you this feeling of like anxiety and like because yeah. like things are not right and they did that uh at the end of the movie where clarice goes into the basement and um She's like going down the halls. There's like shots where it was like the camera was sideways, and it was just like really off. And it it really did build anxiety um, well, quite a bit. Not, as, uh,
0: I, well, I think Zombie does the same thing with shaky cam.
5: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and on top of that, too, um, one thing that I really liked was when and I don't think it was the end of the movie, but when it does the camera and it goes through the whole entire basement. And it's, like, moving, pretty much. Like, mm-hmm. there, it's, like, one continuous shot of the it's entire It's when he's thing.
3: sitting in the basement and he's, like, doing his makeup and all that. Yeah. yeah. It
5: does the continuous shot through the whole basement and it really so makes you... So you can
3: see everything. where everything is. Yeah.
5: And it sets you up because you're, like... You know, had they, have Clarice, had, they had Clarice go down at the end of the movie... But they didn't show that before. You'd kind of just be like, "How many fucking rooms are in this basement?" Exactly. Yeah. You
3: <laughs> were aware before she went in there of roughly the size of the basement, how many different rooms there were, where she might end up by going through certain mm-hmm. doors. So it it did. This movie did not fucking miss a detail. Miss a detail. With the way that they went about awesome. it to create.
4: But it wasn't a overkill. For with you. It wasn't.
3: It was perfect. And it's like they literally everything that they did at the beginning of the movie was important for the end.
5: I mean it shows and him. And it's amazing. There's a brief shot a where he's check where he's like watching the the girl that he kidnaps where he has the the um night vision goggles. And you know So you knew as soon as those lights went out, you're like, yeah.
3: Oh, the night vision goggles are back.
5: <laughs> yeah. You know yep. like exactly. you're
3: aware of this and that's a scene the the scene where when they're in the basement is so iconic to me and it's the scene that I always that and the the penis tuck scene. <laughs> and whenever I think about this Silence movie,
4: of the Lambs, two scenes come to mind. Yeah. Anything in the basement is just Every cool. The <laughs> yeah, pianti like, like and the penis tuck. Immediately,
3: that's where your mind goes to. It's like, that scene in the basement with the night vision goggles. Like, even when I was a kid and I hadn't watched it, when my sister would be like, oh, Silence of the Lambs, like, immediately I remembered that scene, you mm. know? So, uh, I, th- this movie is fucking... It, it, it's it's amazing. It's well it's, it's really a fabulous an, a piece of art. It's beautiful. It's so well so well made and so well thought out. Like there's not a single thing that's going to leave you hanging. I'm really
4: surprised with you on this one, Sarah. Why? Because uh... i it's not usually your typical taste. It's
3: not taste. a 1970s slasher? <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> just like, I, I, I don't know, it doesn't chainsaw. strike
4: me yeah. as like your typical taste in movies. And there is no so... chainsaw in this movie, so yeah, I'm just I'm, really like, shocked. I'm <laughs> so shocked right now. But there um, is and Bill Mosley wasn't involved in the yeah. making.
3: Yeah, there's skinning. So the fact that there's skin on somebody else's body that's not supposed to be there is my connection. Maybe it's just
4: anything Ed Gein-related. Really? I Sears on
3: board. I find Ed Gein very very interesting, but I don't fangirl over him. Yeah.
4: Well, one of the things
0: that I think people miss the Who's boat on with Ed to. Gein a lot is that it's like, Ed Gein only murdered, like, two people. He was a grave yeah. robber. That, yeah, like
5: exactly.
0: He was a grave robber. And so one, one of the ideas that I think follows him around that is... That, Taken over the imaginations of horror for years is he was the first one where it became into the light of like using human skin and a taxidermic purpose. Yeah, you know where he'd like, use human skin for uh, shades and suits and every and everything else. You well, know, so like, too
3: is that he opened people's eyes to the fact that that nice neighbor next door that helps you out and is cool could also
5: fucking really you
3: You can't necessarily trust your nice neighbors anymore. And I think right. that's where yeah. his his story got so much um, broadcast around the country was because everybody <laughs> who had anything to say about Ed Gein was—I mean, he was a little weird, but he was a super nice Ted guy. Ted Bundy, always,
4: same always, thing. Always everybody, out, you know, he was so a super. I think
3: that sweet was like guy. the first really big one where people were like, Talking really like, to. oh, you can't trust your neighbors anymore.
0: Well, and one of the things that I love so much and respect about the creation of the character of Hannibal Lecter is that one of the things that I think Hopkins pulls off, which also to me makes him Hannibal Lecter over all others, is the fact that when you look at mug shots of, of, of serial criminals, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of their mugshots they'll look like entirely different people. Mm-hmm. And so like um, Anthony Hopkins does such a great job in different scenes, he almost looks like an entirely different person. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, like, like that is so important in terms of like creating a health. It's like, it's like the same thing i talked about. Like there's a healthy respect for the subject matter mm-hmm. in, in how they created this character. Thomas Harris, I'm sure had a lot to do with that. And, 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 and Hopkins and everybody that was involved had a lot to do with that. And the create, like, not only that, there's like, well, the quote that I talked about, like when, you know, when you look into the abyss, the abyss also looks into you. It's so like, there's a lot of elements. There's a lot of elements Present here that like this is probably the first movie that I'd seen that had such a healthy respect for the subject matter where it taught me as a young man who was interested in telling very dark stories is that it was like okay attention to detail is important
2: mm-hmm. you know every Absolutely.
0: every single period you put on a page is important the, the commas you use is important the way that the text sets out on the page is this paragraph too blocky is you know hey John do I need to split this up simply because of the way the words look on the page you know is, like, it, every word matters, you know?
5: I think it's and, also one of the first examples, too. Not the first, but one of the first of, like... I don't want to get into this whole, like, discussion, really, but, I mean, as far as, like, a feminism thing, I mean, oh the yeah. whole movie, yeah. you could tell it that Star was... was some very, she very,
3: wasn't being taken seriously because by she the was male officers... And she was also, there's a scene where they're at the funeral home.
5: And they're like, oh, we can't discuss this. There's females present. Yeah, we can't discuss this
3: in front of you. But she was the main person dealing with this whole case. Yeah. And And she she was the
0: only one not concerned with who was going to take the goddamn credit.
3: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And and they, they wouldn't allow her to be a part of important details that she needed. Pursue the case properly, and she still fucking did it. It wasn't. It
5: wasn't a typical, you know, oh, this is buff fucking cop dude who's gonna catch this killer, and it wasn't. It wasn't just oh, here's this like weak innocent girl. Let's put her in. Let's put her in danger. It was like she was just as much a force to be reckoned with as the
4: killers. By the end of the movie, probably. The thing I like about Jodie Foster, though, too, is that she's she's super. I think she's super pretty. But she's not that like
3: it's not unbelievable. It's, it's exactly she's not
4: like that like bombshell with like her tits hanging out, like she looks you know like what I could mean. Be like, an FBI agent. She looks yeah, I mean she's kind of like she's, she's she's she very looks pretty like but she's the very plain. Yes. Yeah. She's like the she's super to believable. Anyway, I didn't her wearing pantsuits. Yeah. <laughs> what I was Where saying she is was she was wearing yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: John, do you have your do you have a PhD or no?
5: I do not. I have a man. I need
4: you to get on that because I need you to be a professor because I would probably show up to your classes. (laughs) Right.
0: The beautiful thing about knowledge, especially in today's day and age, the most important thing that I learned with that gigantic hundred, that gigantic hundred thousand dollar paperweight that I have is the most important thing is that knowledge and information is free and it should be. And in today's day and age, the greatest regret that I have is that everything that I learned, I could have learned on my own. However, you know, I'm still great. I think that what education does for you in a formal context, paying that ridiculous amount of money, is it teaches you a level of manners too. It mm-hmm. teaches, and it, and it teaches you how to appropriately research a topic and how to appropriately disseminate information. And that, and that is
4: indispensable. I spent 50000 at art school, and all it taught me you was also, the colors and how much Jack Daniels I can handle. Get this, Jack, <laughs> Erica. Erica went to school for religious studies. I did. I studied theology. And I'm actually, I could actually, like, if I really wanted to, I have, like, a semester, and I would have, um... You could be I'd a, have the, my,
3: a religious therapist. I would you.
4: have my, uh... my Well, I would have a, a degree in theology with a minor in, um... Christian family counseling. Well, did you want
3: to originally counsel veterans with PTSD? I
4: did. Yeah, from like that was like what my goal you was. You should go back um, to school and do that and because
3: you should pursue what you set out to do. I know, and I believe in you. the
0: o- The right. only thing I will say in terms of counseling, okay, and, the, and here's the greater point, I suppose that I'm, that I'm trying to make, because
3: when when be I had or or...
0: when I had decided <laughs> that I didn't want to do like it, people, when I had decided that I didn't want to do it, the, the only issue is that there's so many logistics that go with counseling and their official opinion is that you're not supposed to have an opinion you're you're put into this box where you have like a a a list of acceptable questions and you're supposed to let them come to the the diagnosis on their own but but if you have this education i feel like you can help people in so many more meaningful ways when you're not bound by laws and legalities you can tell people what they actually need to hear when they come to you for advice Rather than like, that's great, let it out. How does that make you feel? It's like, well, I'm paying $100 an hour. I'm pretty sure I want to know how you
4: feel about it. I think the hardest thing for me is not developing like attachments. I, I like... Erica, you'd be the person that they're just like, "I am in an abusive relationship." You'd be like, "Fuck that! Get out of there! <laughs> Let me do get this!" I'd be like, "Get in the fucking car. We're cutting this bitch's tires." Like, and that's just... and that's
0: a malpractice suit waiting to happen. Oh, absolutely!
4: And that's <laughs> and well, so... that's like I, I very much like I, um, I get attached very, especially like I, ha- I have a very big soft spot for like. Growing up, my aunt used to refer to me as Wendy from Peter Pan because I would acquire the Lost Boys. Right. Yeah, and dude, I used to have This is
3: the first time in my years and years of knowing you where you didn't have somebody who lived on your couch.
4: Like an entourage of like it, it oh, was yeah. just always like a group of a group of guy friends and I you know i w I'm first off, I am a fucking grade A excellent wingman. <laughs> right. I well, I am I mean, the that's... wingman of wingmans. But um yeah, I just, like, if, if you were, like, if you were out there, this is why I could start a cult. If you were out there and broken and downtrodden, I can help you, my friend.
0: <laughs> well, and, and when you're really looking at it, anytime you're doing anything creative and trying to build a brand or whatever, you're not building a cult, but you are building a following. Yeah, people exactly. That believe in, and people that believe in what you're doing. And I've even gotten fan mail and stuff, because, I like, on the Instagram, every once in a while I'll post just little pieces of poetry or something mm-hmm. that I'll talk about. Now, this is... It, it, I'll keep this one short and and I'll make it matter to the movie here. But but there's two different ways to approach artistry. You can treat it all as like the separation between your artistry and who you are, where it's like, okay, I'm a different person than what my artistry is, and take that at face value. And then there's the people that go deeper that leave the glass very thin between what they created who they are Mm -hmm. and uh, I've always preferred to keep things very very thin to let people look into me in a very almost uncomfortable way for me because that's just what makes the most sense and um, in that way there's some people that think that that artistry is almost very selfish and so coming back to Silence of the Lambs I don't feel like you can have a movie like this unless you're willing to be that honest about these uncomfortable topics and so that's why I prefer to keep the glass very thin, but let's make sure that it stays as glass and have a proper respect for the subject matter, you know? So I guess in a long rounded way is that it's like, is that it's like talking about starting a cult and and getting a following or whatever. It's like, believe in these people whoever your heroes and your artists are and stuff like believe in these people follow them everything else but but let's make sure that there's somebody that's worth being followed if you're going to look that deeply into them because like we said when you look into the abyss the abyss also looks into you and that's one of the reasons why like i couldn't do uh guidance counseling either because i had a lot of people telling me it's like well the way that i grew up was like really no bargain you know I, i had a lot of different a lot of different issues like being abused and all of that different kind of stuff. And so it's like I understand wayward children
2: mm-hmm.
0: very, very deeply. And so that's one of the reasons why I can discuss such difficult topics with my daughter very easily is because I understand how she thinks. And so um, but the only issue with that is that it's like I care too much about what they're going through to. Not be able to give them an, an actual, an thing.
4: actual like advice, exactly. A-
0: exactly. Right. So it's like, so it's like, you want to know how to handle this? I'll tell you how,
4: but I can't do it and get paid because.
0: Yeah, exactly.
4: You you kind of like cross that line and you're like, okay, so guess what? We got, we're going to have to end this session. And, uh, instead of paying me that hundred bucks, we're going to go sit at the bar. You're buying drinks. Let's go. Like this is, this is how we're going to fix this shit. Like that's, well, that's me. And I think that that was like, that was the biggest thing. Um, as far as like theology and stuff like that, I've always just been really interested in, in higher beings. I've studied tons of different religions. Um,
0: well, that was my area of focus in my sociology and psychology was, was theology and world religion. So I, I'd studied to a great deal. So I definitely understand your fascination with it. And, and, and especially too, like there's the quote from, um, I believe it was, it wasn't Karl Marx. It was, it was the other, oh, I'm blanking on the name now. It's been, I've been removed from it for so long, but, I, um, uh, I, I, Emil Durkheim, I believe, is who it was. But he he had said that if you're going to study religion, you have to study it from the standpoint that there are no religions that are false.
4: Exactly. Because you
0: have to assume that they're all true, otherwise you're going into it with a bias. Now, I feel like anything can be a religion. Anything can be a religion from, from militarism to politics to sports to anything, and even horror can be a religion. And so you have to approach it even when we're discussing these, undifu- these difficult topics, that there are no religions that are false. And so you have to like open yourself up to whatever the movie wants to do. And I've, that's one of the reasons I love this this podcast so much is you guys are so open to whatever movies want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you're so open to what they want to accomplish. And I feel like in this context, you know, of dealing with a movie that's very real, you know, it, it this probably couldn't be a better podcast for it, to be honest with you. You know, like, in terms of having better people analyze this and look at it, you know? And so, um, and, and, and so looking at this, especially when you've gone through a lot of this, I always refer to it as like this dark swim, you know, like everything that I went through is like this really dark black bottomless river at night. And a lot of people go through though, there's no explanation for who gets thrown into that shit. Okay. Now you can look at this in even bigger scope and say that even Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter, Buffalo Bill, Clarice Starling, anybody that deals with large amounts of tribulation, either personal, emotional, or psychological, or what have you. And that's how I look at all these really deep characters, dark, demented, whatever you like. And it's one of the reasons I love horror so much is horror is one of the only things that's completely and entirely honest, or at least it should be at its core. And so when we're dealing with these deep, dark characters... I understand them to a large degree because they've gone through the same swim through that black bottomless lake or river that I had to go through. Now, there's no reason or explanation why you're put there, but some people just are because we're all wired differently. And there's a lot of people that don't make the swim because they would prefer to drown inside of it rather than cross the river. And one of the reasons why I could never completely do the counseling thing is because it's like if you've made the swim, you you won't let yourself get drawn back in and drown and drown inside of it yeah. because you have such a proper respect for it and so I've had this movie and I mean I'm I'm, I'm going I'm I'm not going to ham-handedly force the conversation back into Silence of the Lambs but I'm going to ham-handedly force the conversation back into Silence of the Lambs <laughs> so I, so like in that same way of making that swim I feel like the people that made this movie have made the swim you know and so had they not been able to approach it in that very honest way of having made the swim themselves, I don't feel like this would have come off anywhere as gripping or as real as it does. I mean, I would like to know what dark shit Anthony Hopkins has dealt with, because I, I'll tell you what, even if he hasn't dealt with any dark shit in his life, I believe it when he's on It's screen. believable. You know, he's a great actor. He's a great I actor. I 100% believe it. And so like, even now one of the quotes that sticks with me is in that scene where he's talking to Clarice when he's in his cage towards the end is uh, when she's getting really impatient with him and she's like, Dr. Lecter, we don't have time for this. And he just like, he's got all the time in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, we don't have time for this. And it's just like, I'm not required to help you, you know? And so it's like, you want it, you want me to help you? You got to, you have to give me things, you know, because that's what's most important to Lecter in terms of like owning his, you could even look at Clarice as a potent as like a victim, because he owns her after those conversations, you know, and so, like he knows very personal things about her, and, and so And he
3: touches, what, her, in and he touches
0: he... her in a way that she probably hasn't been touched by any other serial killers, you know. And so <laughs> it's her
3: first um, serial killer.
0: Yeah, and so when he's looking, like so many times when I'm reading through books, I have the same quote that Hannibal Lecter does in that very end scene, and this is where I'll kind of end my little my little uh my little spiel here is when it's when she's talking and he's like how did or i can't remember the exact quote or whatever but he's like how how did that make you feel the 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 screaming of the lambs at night or whatever else he's like Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know i don't know i I felt this way whatever he goes no like like he's like no he's like he's like like, that's not enough you know what i mean Mm -hmm. deeper darker i i want to know the truest part of the matter You know, Mm -hmm. and that's what I feel like the whole point of this movie was, was that it's like you I've I've seen serial killers just like you guys have a thousand times in horror movies, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've read a lot of horror novels based on serial killers and stuff. And I can tell within the first paragraph whether or not this subject is real to them or not. Mm -hmm. And so in that same way, I'll get a character in a book and they'll start giving me character details. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like deeper, you know? Yeah darker what did the like how did it feel when the lamb stock started screaming at night you know and and that's what i feel like this whole movie did very 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 well is it harkens back to a lot of those people that made the swim for one reason or another because you want to know what lies at the bottom of the lake Mm -hmm. you know so
3: well with that i think that we had a really good conversation and why don't we get into ratings right
4: <laughs> I think that
3: we dove into this fucking. Movie. I, think I think we. we I think it. we did good. So
0: the best kind of movies we can have a conversation like that, and I still don't feel like we covered it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right.
3: Right. Although, and like the although, it goes although, it goes quick. <laughs>
1: yeah. Although, who was who was sad that uh, Buffalo Bill didn't even nick Clarice?
0: He's got to be a terrible shot.
1: Yeah.
4: Like, yeah he, I, feel, he fucking sucked
1: <laughs> and She was, she, <laughs> was <laughs> she
4: was she was shooting in the dark, dude. I think my three year old has better shot. Oh, she definitely does. Well, She's I, cool
0: think, out, I, guess. I think part of that is, like, he never expected her to actually turn in fire, you know?
3: Yeah. yeah and so, true.
0: like, that's her moment of redemption as a character, too, thing. you know, is, is she turns and has her large moment of final metamorphosis,
5: you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Sarah, what you going to rate this movie? Um,
3: I can't get enough of this movie. I think everything about it is so well thought out, um... And I feel like it gives you an understanding, like John has has said in in this episode, it's been a big topic, is understanding and respecting the situation without, I, like, I, I don't know, like, thinking that serial killer is cool, like, there's, I like, there, there's a way them. of, they make this horror movie where, like, okay, I watch, like, uh, slashers, and you're like, oh, that killer is so cool, you know? this movie gives you the understanding of what a serial killer is and having that interest in what they do and being curious about it but also shows you like they're bad people like mm-hmm. it makes it real and I, I think that's what makes this, this movie so unique is that it makes it a real life situation although it's not um, I, I I think it's just so genius the whole, the whole film the whole um, idea behind it the storyline how many little things there are that connects to the bigger picture, um, I don't know how they thought of everything they did in this movie because it's just there's just so much to take in, and you, we we dove deep. Mm. And there, like John said, there's still so much more that could be talked about. Um, I'm gonna give it a, give it a nine point five. Okay, not Texas Chainsaw, but you know it's <laughs> up there.
5: It's no letter page, but
3: you know I'll I'll, I'll take Lecter. It's cool.
5: Becca, what you got?
3: Ooh, ladies
1: first. Ooh. Um, so this is actually my very first time of seeing this movie ever. And, um, and John kept trying to talk through the movie until I was like, John, I've never seen this before. Shut up. <laughs> and, um, but, and, and generally I'm not really into watching, I, I would say, I would call this almost like a murder mystery, mm-hmm. um, but. Halfway between horror and, well, mostly murder mystery with horror. Well, it's, a crime, it's a crime procedure. Right. And, and it, most of the time I don't really watch those kinds of movies. Uh, not because I don't have the opportunity to, but just because I don't often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, when it comes down to it, uh, I watch this fairly late at night and I stayed awake the whole time, which is very, very rare, because I, I truly did enjoy it. Um, from, from the story to the psychological thriller, I mean, there were moments where I was holding my breath, because it was just so tense that I, I forgot to breathe.
2: So,
1: right? As far, as far as rating this whole movie,
3: I, I would give it a 9.7. I loved it. Ooh, I, this is going to be a really high one.
4: Going back to this again,
3: Erica. We'll keep it with the ladies face.
4: Uh, <laughs> so, uh, for me, this movie is it's fucking phenomenal. I love this movie. I this is a, I two-hour anxiety attack. Just in a fucking not in, in a. It's just it'll fuck you up. I don't know it. It literally <laughs> gives me a horrible anxiety. It's just, like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it's just so... It's such a well-done movie, first off. The acting, to me, is probably some of the best. Um, The characters are so believable. And they are so well-developed without going overboard. I feel like everything about this movie is the perfect amount. Like, nothing was just, like, too much. Mm -hmm. You know how, like, you you get some of them where they just go into these, like... They just try and get so intricate with things, and it's just like it's too much, and it's like it. They it's kind like of cool lose without their. Trying to be cool. Yeah, it's like they lose their value, yeah. and I, I think that they these characters were developed perfectly. Um, the story was was phenomenal, other than the little hiccup that we discussed about that the um, escape scene just kind of feeling like it was just kind of like there. Um, which even that again? It's not that it's a bad scene; it's a phenomenal scene, and it it flows well. It's just kind of different. It's different, yeah. It just feels a little out of place uh, among among everything. Um, Hannibal Lecter is probably one of the most interesting characters for a movie. I mean, I feel like you could just you just you could watch hours of just him. Anthony Hopkins playing that character just talking about shit and I'd probably watch it. And he um, knows
0: it too. Like Hannibal knows that he's that interesting, you know? Exactly.
4: And that like that's it's just it's such a it's such an iconic movie. Um everybody and you are lying to yourself if you say you haven't have tried the penis tuck. Um <laughs> Dylan has it. <laughs> he's going to go, as soon as everybody leaves. Dylan's going to, he's going to just, all right, I got to go Well, this. if everybody else has done it's it. It's the gateway <laughs> drug. <laughs> don't do it. Um <laughs> Testy tucks. not even once. Um, <laughs> Back to testicle talk, you know, alright. <laughs> <laughs> somehow we always get, it's, somehow. you, it's, it's you, Erica. It's, it's, America. it's I me, it's
3: Dick Haven. It gets worse when Larry's on, though.
4: Got balls still, on the I'm brain. Still, <laughs> still waiting for the the dick pics for Patreon. Go on. Um, so anyway, I just it's a it's just a, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, it, if you like anything kind of like true crimey, you'll love it. If you like horror, you'll love it. Like I feel like it's very broad. It covers, like, a lot of spectrums. It's not tied to just one genre. I mean, it kind of, it fits in a lot of different places, and I think that that's what makes it such a great movie, too, is it kind of transcends different areas, and you don't get a lot of movies that do that, you mm-hmm. know? Like, other than, like, I mean, you you do see genres that cross each other, like, the whole, like, sci-fi and horror, they cross each other, and, you know, but this movie, like, it, it's very... It, I feel like there's... There's a lot, other than, like, romantic com- <laughs> comedy, There's that's, that's about it. Um, it covers a lot, and it's just, it's such a well-done movie, and it's timeless, in my opinion. It's another one that's very timeless, because I, I don't feel like it's one that has lost its value as it's gotten older. You also
3: have to consider, this is a horror movie that won, like, five or six Academy Awards. In,
0: in the big five, too. So, the, yeah. the big yeah. five That's the thing, is
3: it's like, horror movies... Generally, do Don't not get that. awards, not, I at least not a comedy the, uh, av- academy awards. Like, I that's believe it huge. was
0: this year that it was finally another horror movie had won Best Picture with Get Out by uh, yeah. Jordan. Peele, yeah. get out. It finally it was, it was, is that the first time since Silence of the Lambs that a horror movie has won I the think Best so. Picture? Because The Exorcist I so, cause was I
5: know nominated. They said it was like, I know they said it was like 20 something years, so. it's,
4: been a, it's been a while, but anyway, uh, as far as my rating on this movie, I'm going to come in.
5: With a ten, with a ten, yeah.
0: All right, John, what you got? All right, um, one of the really important elements of, of storytelling is the is the quick differentiation between plot and story. And so, plot is the journey. It's a journey. It's all these characters' journeys into their fates, the, who they become, who they change into. Plot by comparison, is like a linkage in a chain. So one event leads to the next, one event leads to the next, one event leads to the next. And so um, Sherlock Holmes, for instance, could be seen as like direct plot. Now with those elements of plot, it tends to be very difficult at times to have three-dimensional or multi-dimensional characters. So a lot of times in in plot-driven movies, characters end up a little flat and you're not as emotionally invested. That said, this is one of the rarest movies and instances that I've ever come across where it merges plot and story and it does it fantastically well and the only other one that I can compare to it is Red Dragon by the same author like and by the same people and so it's very very unique in that way that it's it's very rare to see a story combine both plot and story and not fall flat in either category
4: Hannibal was fantastic too, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't. A, I wasn't too big of a fan of the sequel, but it I love Hannibal. Hannibal Rising was really well done too. Yeah, but I mean, done. as as far as like a, a whole series, they're they're pretty spot on. I think it's. Just I think it's probably so one
3: good. of the better horror series. Yeah. it never goes cheesy. I saw Hannibal
4: mm-hmm. Rising in theaters.
5: Did
3: you? Yeah. Anyway, let's on continue. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I, that
5: was my fault. My bad. Uh, no worries, no worries.
0: And so, in that category, it's one of the rarest stories that, that I've ever seen be executed that fantastically. It, it's respect for the subject matter is absolutely top notch, even though it gives you... And a lot of the times when there's respect for subject matter, people will almost back away from the topics a little bit <clears throat> to have a little bit more re, you know respect for the topics. This thing doesn't hold back. Even though it's being very Researched and very methodical, and, and very um, poignant in the way that it's presenting these things. So you have a lot of very taboo different topics. There's not only feminism. There's uh, trans. There's transsexualism. There's there there's all these different very taboo topics that this thing tackles. And um, it actually came under quite a bit of criticism when it was first released because people had assumed that it was transphobic and homophobic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, first of all, Buffalo Bill is not gay. Like, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess you could you could you're never really given the direct answer on that whether he's gay or not because Hannibal Lecter says that uh, he had had a male lover, correct?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, yeah. so you to understand that he's at least bisexual, but you're never given the direct answer, and so Buffalo Bill is, is even multi-dimensional, and you don't actually see him that much either, and so he's a very large presence, but he still ends up being very multi-dimensional, and so for Usually with these crime procedurals, anything that's concerned with crime and law and order, you usually get these very plot heavy storylines, which I'm typically not that big of a fan of because I feel like, I feel like plot is very shifty. I feel like plot lies to me to be smart. You know, like they'll tell me something in the beginning that they'll just basically be like, yeah, we lied about that. Here's the twist, you know? And so um, that's why I don't trust plot driven stories. A lot of the time I prefer story-driven stories, but this thing was very honest from the very start. It never changed out of what it was going to be. You know, it, it set its course very directly from the very start, and it accomplished it and achieved it and executed it to fantastic a aplomb, you know. And so uh, you could go through this movie and go through it line by line almost, you know. And, like, you could take Lecter's lines line by line in his delivery and and all these different things. And so to have a movie that's that engrossing and that that artfully done, uh, is just incredibly, incredibly rare. And so I look at, and not only that, this thing went in without a political agenda. It just was what it was. And so was this thing homophobic or transphobic or there was, there was none of those political things. These, it just presented what was happening, you know, in a, in a very black and white kind of way. It's like, Well, are you supposed to feel like the filmmakers are homophobic? Like, no, I didn't get any of that shit. You know, it just was what the story needed to be. And it didn't really box itself in by trying to turn into something that was a political agenda or whatever from the filmmakers. And so I have a lot of respect for that, especially when we start dealing with taboo topics. Because a lot, of, well, a lot of times, like with feminism or homophobia or monogamy, even you know, with, with like dealing with stories that have to do with infidelity or whatever, a lot of these times with the storytellers, you'll see that they have a dog in the fight somewhere. You know that they're they're either homophobic themselves, or they or they're or or they're a gay person, or they, they have some iron in the fire and like a point to prove, which I feel like does more injustice to the story a lot of times than anything else because you're not letting the story be what it wants to be you're making it what it is to try to prove a point so this thing like I said just presented the facts I love it I absolutely adore this movie and every single piece of it um, and not only that like from its execution it was appropriately rewarded which always makes me happy five different Oscars in all five of the, the big five categories best actress best actor best screen adapted screenplay best picture and so to see it be rewarded in such a way makes me happy. I'm going to come in with a 10 on this.
4: Sweet! Boom! Put in there with for Sarah's birthday. It'll suck her. Just do it.
5: Shut up, Murphy. What are you even barking at? <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Murphy's actually their child. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I really have little to no complaint about this movie. Watching it now... I'm so
3: glad to hear that. Watching it
5: now... Um, as I'm, like, more mature and can take in more of the movie. I mean, (laughs) yeah. He still
3: (laughs) collects comic books, guys. Don't worry.
5: Yeah. Now that I can, you know, grasp more and take more in from the story, there's really nothing that you can pick out that you're like, well, what the fuck was up with this? Like, the characters, the themes, the plot, the filming, everything is so well done. I will agree with Sierra and give it a 9.5 Woo! it's not my favorite movie
3: but it's up there like I'd say it might be in my top five
5: I would say it's up there but it's like I we just watched this movie the other night I couldn't watch it again tonight no. where I, like I'm
3: not like that with any movie
4: I, yeah I'm evil dead it. I could watch that shit every day well, well, I mean, like I think that there's, there's you could do super... the same thing with Texas chainsaw well there's a super huge yeah. distinction too between the fact
0: that like you don't have to be a fan of the movie to know that it's incredibly done. Broadly. Oh
4: yeah. Right. There's
0: movies I've hated that I've given a 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or or books even too. Like I might I might hate that story, I hate everything about it, but I'm not stupid. I know that it's well executed, you know. So it's like just because it's just not within your taste. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like but it's like so like what Dylan was saying, it's like you know, he knows that it's well done. Doesn't mean he's a gigantic huge of it, you know. Yeah. But I don't and think those those two are. I don't think those two are un- uh, synonymous. You know, like you don't have to be a super fan of something. You know.
3: Yeah. I have the horror haven rating. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yeah. The average horror haven rating for Silence of the Lambs is a nine point seven. Boom. Woo! That's
4: fair. Let's clap.
2: Go. Time for incoming mail.
5: <laughs> Alright, so it's the time of the week where we read your guys' ratings and reviews for the movie through our Instagram. If you want to contribute your ratings to our next week's episode, be sure to go to our Instagram. And let us know what you think of the movies we're covering next week. So here's what you guys thought of Silence of the Lambs. Um, David Osu87HFWW said, Another film I Haven't. haven't seen in years. A film that is debated if it should be horror or not i definitely think it is hopkins foster and levine kill it plus i use so many lines on a regular basis nine out of ten for sure
3: uh our second comment is from comic book man six one eight five uh the perfect movie
5: (laughs) um little miss monster said iconic and utterly fantastic i love jody foster
3: podcast is coming from inside the house said an off-the-shelf go-to for any lady movie day with incredible performances and a compelling story the television series is by far superior though
5: we do love this series
3: but i don't know if i'd say superior i would say they're they're very um they're different equal they're different yeah they're different i i i like them both the same but but nice comment. and we love you guys by
5: the way all right so enjoy the rest of the episode (laughs)
3: All right, thank you guys so much for listening.
5: John, where can people find you? People
0: can find me in a number of different places. Instagram is where I do my main reach out, at Skeleton Rose Media, all one word, all lowercase. You can find me on Facebook. I write melodic death metal and horror novels. You can find me on Facebook under Skeleton Rose Media and Skeleton Rose. Um, You can find all of my books on Amazon. Go ahead and do a research in in the toolbar. Type in the name of one of my books. And my name, it won't be hard to find me. I'm sure you'll know me when you see me. I have a two-foot-long red beard. (laughs) And then uh, on top of that, uh, the link to the Skeleton Rose website is also up on my Instagram now. It's skeletonrose.blogspot.com. All my books, all my music is available there. The music is available anywhere you get your digital music, either for free or for purchase. It's available in places such as iTunes, Rhapsody, Rumblefish, Amazon MP3, Google Play, Anywhere you find your music, it's available there, I promise you, and it's available for more places for free than it is for purchase. And my books are all available on Amazon. Anything and everything you guys could ever want, I'm more than happy to hand out for free. All I require is the conversation. So just pop up and message me and talk to me. That's all that's all I
5: cherish, you know. So
3: he won't eat your placenta.
5: Nope, I will not. I not cut too. that
4: out, so that's just this. Everybody's gonna be like, "What the fuck?" Well, <laughs> like, um, so I
3: think that makes
4: we, it
0: better. <laughs> at least not this time. I, I, I won't eat the placenta this time anyway.
3: yeah.
5: This time. Um, if you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast, or on Twitter at Horror Underscore Haven. Um, we've been posting on all of our every week. We've been posting the movie that we're doing and asking for your guys' opinion. So I'm gonna insert. Your guys' thoughts on this movie after we record later on, so it'll be in the episode if you've made it this far. Um, tune in next week. We're going to be covering the Poughkeepsie tapes. The Poughkeepsie tapes and as above, so below. I fucking hate you. <laughs> so i see th- No, wait. Right, before wait. Am, what? I around
0: for, am I around for that one too? I don't remember. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. But
5: Poughkeepsie's I, our hometown too, by the way. I uh. More I had, hometowns. I had taking of Deborah Logan on there too, but I think we're just going to do. It doesn't really fit. We decided, so
3: we're just gonna choose. The
5: Kipsy tapes and as above, so below. Look out for it next week. Yes, dear.
3: I have one more thing to say. A very, 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 very happy birthday to Becca. Yay!
0: Are you 30 years old yet? I can't remember.
4: I'll be 30 tomorrow.
0: This is the big 3 0. We should turn in
4: 30. (laughs) Oh! I'm gonna be 31. It's not so bad. 30's not bad.
0: And Roy is 40. Oh. So got to so at least you're not at least you're not um, you're not
5: the
0: you're not the oldest you're not the oldest so at least there's that.
5: All right
3: so have a good night guys have a great night. horns high stay brutal,
0: everybody.